It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. Fred Cuellar is the author of The Buffer Zone Diet. It's not just what you eat, it's when you eat it. And he's saying, if there's one slice of pizza left and nobody wants it, you're stuffed but you can't let it go to waste, so you eat it, you might just be an emotional eater. So we're going to talk about that and The Buffer Zone as well. And Fred's joining me today on Amy's Table. Welcome, Fred. Hey, thank you for having me. So... Tell me a little bit about, you had a bit of an aha moment that led you on a successful weight loss journey, didn't you? Tell me what struck you to write this book. I had a stroke. I had a right hemisphere stroke. I was paralyzed on the left side of my body, six months of rehab. And then after that, the doctor came in and said, Fred, can I be frank with you? And I said, you can call me anything you like. He didn't laugh. (laughs) And then he said, you're fat. And that's why you had the stroke. And if you don't do something about this, the next time you have a stroke or a heart attack, it's going to kill you. And uh, yeah, that was kind of an eye-opener. Sure is. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And so how did you start the journey? I mean, were you immediately successful? Was the motivation alone enough? No, it took me... Well, I did lose the weight, but I didn't figure out the buffer zone until 15 years after the fact. Uh, I did what everybody did. They followed what all the, quote, experts said they did. So eat a lot of little tiny meals, which made me just hooked on food and hungry all the time. I believed that calories in, calories out was correct. It it seemed like it made sense. Uh, And that if I was fat, it was my fault. I I was obviously eating too much and not exercising enough. So to find out that all these things I believed were rock solid facts weren't true was just blew my mind. And so what was the first one that hit you that you were like, oh my God, what I believed all along is wrong? Well, I think what's interesting is I took a look at, because there's a lot of really good books out there that say, hey, a Mediterranean diet or the DASH diet. There's a lot of good books out there that said, hey, eat this and, and don't eat this and you're going to be okay. And you know what? They, they worked in terms of not gaining any new weight. And so if the goal is, I like my weight and I don't want to be fatter, man, I mean, you buy just this, almost any book you can buy. But my problem was, I wanted to get old fat off. And that was the tricky part. I didn't know that it took the body 10 hours and low cortisol levels for your body to access fat fuel. And that can only happen at night. So this idea that you wake up in the morning and say, okay, I can have 1,500 or 2,000 calories today, and the typical person is hoarding calories. They'll say, hmm, I'm not hungry, I'll skip breakfast. Geez, I'll just have a few for lunch, thinking you can roll over calories. So at the end of the day, you go, aha, I've got this stash of calories. I can have them all at 8, 9, 10 o'clock tonight. No, there's a time to have those calories, and there's a time not to. That's why the book is called The Buffer Zone. There's a time when your body wants the fuel, and there's a time your body doesn't. If you put you know, a full tank meal into your body and then go to bed, you're just making more fat for the next day. You know, when you said that, I was struck by the fact that our bodies are so miraculous and it kind of makes sense that we sleep at night and, you know, <laughs> it's yeah, like almost yeah. if they already knew what to do. We shouldn't be eating at nighttime. We should leave that buffer zone, as you call it, and we wake yeah. up and we should refuel. That's interesting. So one thing I'm hearing from you is nighttime eating is a real mistake. Oh, it really is. Four to five hours, no food in your belly. Uh, the, the, the easiest thing that I would tell all the people that I've been talking to, when the sun goes down, the fork goes down. If you stop eating, let's say, at 6 o'clock tonight, 
at 4 o'clock tomorrow morning, because it takes five hours to empty a stomach, three hours small intestine, your body, with the low cortisol level because you're sleeping, your body switches over to fat fuel at 4 o'clock in the morning. If you can average 14, 15 hours between your last meal of the day today and breakfast tomorrow morning, you're going to lose 437.5 calories of pure body fat every single day. Now, it's not a quick weight loss, but that means every eight days you're going to lose approximately one pound of pure body fat, not just water. And for me and for everybody else that's been reading the book, it's a big difference. That is a huge difference. So uh, here's a question for you. Yeah. I I get up in the morning. I don't yeah. I don't leave that big a distance, but I'm going to try. You've inspired me. But I get up in the morning, I have coffee, I work out, and then I eat breakfast. Perfect. Okay, few. Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. few. Because sometimes yeah. I'm worried I should be eating first. No, 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 no. From the time you wake up, your cortisol levels start to wake up the minute you wake up. You have two to four hours where you can extend the breakfast. Now, believe me, I wanted to believe you could skip breakfast because I didn't like eating breakfast. I wanted to do the research and come out and say, aha, breakfasts are evil, you don't need them. And it turned out it wasn't true, that if within four hours of waking up you don't actually have the breakfast, your cortisol levels rise so high, your body, body goes into like a panic mode. And doing so, actually your metabolism slows down even more, your brain and your body become lethargic, and you go into a brain fog. Exactly. I mean, that's again our body talking to us. I just, yeah. I just fuel to go, not fuel to rest. Oh, there you go. I like that. So let me ask you a question. Anytime yeah. somebody comes up with an idea or a plan or a regimen to follow, people are trying to poke holes in it. Yeah. <laughs> and so let's just say somebody says, "But I love to eat at night. I'm yeah. going to eat at eleven o'clock at night and go to bed. But I'll wait fourteen hours for breakfast. Uh, uh-uh, uh, doesn't work, right? It's tied into the sleep cycle." Yeah, it's tied in the sleep cycle. It's like someone saying, Fred, I'm convinced that I can get a suntan with moonlight. I don't need the sun. I don't. I'm convinced that if I lay out tonight, six, seven hours of beautiful moonlight, I'm going to have a beautiful tan. You can believe that. It's not going to work. <laughs> well, that makes sense to me. It really does. So, okay, that's the buffer zone then. Yeah. The nighttime, basically. Sure. And then you said there's lots of good books, like a Mediterranean diet, the DASH diet. Sure. Does the buffer zone diet, uh, you know, uh, adhere to any particular style of eating? Yeah. When, when Once I figured out what was the trigger to access fat fuel, because I, I realized the body needed to run 80% of the time on jiffy food, just in food for you, and then 20% of the time on fat fuel, which is uh, in a 168-hour week, that was 33.6 hours. So the, the, then the question was, okay, once I knew how to burn fat to run my body while I slept, and I would eat food to operate my body during the day, the question became, of, well, what fuel? Well, I, I didn't have to look very far for that. Uh, for the last seven years, all the experts have agreed that dietary approaches to stop in hypertension, the DASH diet, 55% carbs, 30% fat, no more than 7% saturated, and 15% protein is the perfect fuel mix for the human body. So I just took that, had 20% of my caloric intake for my breakfast or lunch or dinner, and then have one big meal a day. This I did three big square meals a day now, one big one. Uh, earlier, the better. Uh, lunch is the, uh, in the green zones and blue zones, all the areas where people live to be longer, uh, they had their biggest meal of the day for lunch, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does. And so what would you say is a typical dinner for you or people that have had success with your um, approach? 
Well, if they have to make a decision, what's going to be the big meal of the day? If it's going to be lunch or dinner, breakfast is typically uh, steel-cut oatmeal. I'll have uh, some berries on top of that as well. Uh, Trader Joe's has some good stuff that you can get that's frozen. It cooks in the microwave for three minutes and then some yogurt. And then for lunch, that's usually my big meal of the day. I always front load all my big meals with a big salad because my wife's lasagna and her shepherd's pie and her New York-style hot dogs I love, and it's the second or third helping that will kill me because a typical big serving can have anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 calories. So if I put that big salad in first, and, you know, three, four, five-cup salad, you know, rainbows of colors in there, I've taken some of the edge off by the time I get to the lasagna or the dessert because I like dessert too. Um, so it, it's not, you can't tell people they can't have key lime pie anymore. You can't tell people right. they're never going to eat a cookie anymore. You have to be able to enjoy the foods you want, but know there's a time you can put them in your body. So I'm hearing the, the very large lunch. Do you, do you skip dinner altogether? You have no light meal later in the day or what is your thought there? No, no, look, I have my big meal now for, for lunch. I lost all the weight uh, with my big meal at the end of the day because I just couldn't wrap my mind around the idea that I was going to come home for lunch because I, I thought I was too busy. Uh, I just made sure that I had that big meal uh, before 6 o'clock because uh, I went to work at 9 o'clock the next morning so I could get that 15 hours. So I'd, I'd leave work around 5, I'd come home, have the big salad, and then literally whatever my wife was in the mood could cook me. Was it pork chops? Uh, an applesauce or what, whatever it was that I felt like eating. Right. Uh, and I didn't worry so much about it. And then I had dessert that I liked. The thing that I thought was interesting, if you look since 1970 till today, in 1970, the typical person spent about 59 minutes with their loved ones at the big meal of the day. Uh, now we're spending an average of only 33 minutes a day with the ones we love at the big meal. And so... We've cut the time in half that we're spending with our loved ones, which means a lot of people are just eating on the run and by themselves. And that's equaling to about 523 calories of snacks a person is having every single day. No snacks on the buffer zone. You don't need snacks. They literally do ruin your meals. And especially if you've eaten, if you've, you know, planned nourishing and, and satisfying meals, then. Yeah. But, you know, I love to hear that you're saying that you can't tell someone they can't eat key lime pie because they oh, should. But yeah. I'm also hearing eat it with somebody you love. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. My, my mom used to tell me when she would cook me food, she goes, you know, mom's cooking is, is she cooked me shepherd's pie is even better because it's got mom's love in it. I found out later when I got the recipe, it was just an extra stick of butter. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'll do it every time, Fred. I really do. If you're just joining me, we're speaking with Fred Cuellar. He's the author of The Buffer Zone Diet. It's not just what you eat, it's when you eat. So, Fred, let's yeah. talk about this. Let's talk about how exercise works into this. Do you think it's a pivotal piece of the big picture? It was for me. Uh, my problem is I'm very goal-oriented. So prior to the buffer zone, uh, and I was still overweight, I just increased the exercise until eventually I would break myself. I would hurt myself. Um, I didn't realize that you can exercise too much. So uh, all the experts would say, you need about 150 minutes of cardio in a week. And it's pretty accurate. About 20 to 30 minutes of cardio a day, 10 minutes of strength training a day. And I'm the kind of person who doesn't like that workout hanging over my head. And also, too, 
two things make you hungry. Working out and snacking, eating makes you hungry. So I'd rather have that workout in the morning. And then just like you, after I wake up and I do my workout, I feel like I've earned my breakfast and then I'm, I'm good to go for there. So yes, you've got to have exercise. Yeah. So leave us with an action step today. People who are listening, who are inspired, aside from, of course, reading the buffer zone diet, it's not just what you eat, it's when you eat. Give us an action step to, to launch somebody listening today. If, if you just follow these two things, you'll be good to go. One, no more snacks. You have three shots of food today, a breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner. You're going to stop snacking altogether. And then whatever time you stop eating tonight, uh, be it 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock, Say to yourself, okay, I know that every hour after 10 hours, I'm going to burn some some body fat. So shoot for 12 hours at first, 13 hours at first, between last meal of the day and breakfast tomorrow morning. If eventually you can get the 14 or 15 hours, so much the better. Fantastic. That's great advice, Fred. Well, if you want to find out more about the Buffer Zone Diet or about Fred, you can go to thebufferzonediet.com, thebufferzonediet.com, and I'll put a link on amy-tobin.com as well. Fred Cuellar, thank you so much for joining me today on Amy's Table. Oh, thanks for having me. You're wonderful. Stick around for another helping from Amy's Table on Q102. Q! You want to